There we go. All right. All right, everybody. Thank you for coming on. This is Bound by the Scene. And this is actually a bit of a different segment that we're going to be doing because I do not have Spirit Binder with me. I do have somebody else, somebody different. And this kind of little bit of a difference is called Beyond Your Scene. This is where we interview somebody from a different kink sphere of life and see exactly what brought them in. And my guest today is Rope Baby. How are you doing today? Oh. Great. How are you? I'm alive and kicking. Work has been uh, <laughs> work has been doing a number on me. Three, two different promotions in about three weeks. Yeah, mm, significant Oof. significant changes in my lifestyle. So I, I've noticed you've been busy. We've been trying to get this down hat a little bit, and it seems like scheduling has been been tough. Yeah, I mean, I so I work from home. You know, like with. Um, my only fans and um porn work and stuff so i'm always busy <laughs> i would imagine I, I hope business is good for you i really hope so yeah. awesome yes uh so People again are very horny in quarantine <laughs> i've noticed that um <laughs> even as somebody that is like probably like asexual due to the fact that i have a medical condition doesn't allow me to like enjoy sex the way most people do it, the itch is there. Like it's weird. I don't. I don't know what it is. Yeah. All right. So uh, I guess we should get started. So what brought you into kink? Is there a specific genre of literature that caught your attention? Like a story of O, Marquis de Sade, Fifty Shades of Grey, anything new? Um. Actually, so I. Let's see. So okay. So I've never seen or read Fifty Shades. Um. I haven't. I'm not sure what the story of O is, but, um, <laughs> yeah, I, I actually, it was, uh, kind of a little bit accidental. I had always had like kinky proclivities or whatever. Um, but I've been kind of, you know, not ashamed of them per se, but I hadn't had the chance to really explore them because when you're looking at, um, representations of BDSM, this was an, I got into kink about six years ago. So this was like before 50 shades, um, really popularized, uh, BDSM. But before that it's kind of represented like the way that it is represented in porn is kind of scary. Like for somebody who doesn't know anything about it. Um, and so I hadn't really had any education at all about kink and, um, just been having, or had had like, you know, CNC fantasies or bondage fantasies, but had always felt like, oh no, they're, they're bad or something. Um, but I actually got introduced to it <laughs> randomly. Uh, I was horny trolling Reddit and there was a subreddit, um, there called come tributes and I was getting real active on that. And so I had someone message me, um, and we just sort of like started this online dom sub relationship which was super new to me i didn't really know like what a dom was or anything and so with that introduction like i started doing my own research and googling things and um discovered this whole world of information like you know labels and terminology and vocabulary for things that i didn't know were okay um and then I got so into it that I pretty much convinced like all my friends, like we're all kinky, all of us. <laughs> and like, um, and a friend of mine, um, actually had been going to dungeons, um, already. And so she took us out to a TNG. Um, I was living in DC at the time and there were these get togethers, uh, the next generation for like 18 to 35 year olds. And, um, she took us there and we were all kind of new to it and we just, that's where it started. <laughs> well, that's, um, significantly different than how I got into it. Mine was a little bit more of a, of a little random accident. I was way too young for any terms of services to be mentioning. And I accidentally stubbed my toe on a PVC pipe that was in the ground. And I was like, what are these feelings? I'm confused. <laughs> And then it just spiraled organic. very, very organic. And I was like, what are these feelings? Oh God. And then later on the vocabulary came and I was like, oh, well that's odd. Mm -hmm. 
and then our high school did a play by the Marquis de Sade, who, uh, if our listeners don't know who that is, it's the, basically where we get the term sadism from. And I taught a bunch of actors how to use a whip because I grew up on a farm. And there you have it. That's how Tentacle nice. Bound became kinky. And it was just nice. this weird, weird, <laughs> weird set of emotions that came into play. And yeah. And now that we've, uh, now that you mentioned that you actually went into a TNG and all that, how would you say that you're public? How would you say that you've been public about your kink? Are there, are there any reasons behind that you've been a little bit more public than most people? Because I'm semi-private, but I'm also like outed to my bosses at work, so that way I'm not liable to get fired. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah. So I, at the time, I didn't really have um, a career path that uh, you know, where it was necessary for me to be anonymous. And I didn't anticipate that I would either. Um, I think that that kind of is a defining factor for a lot of people in their anonymity. So, um, for me, I was just working like a regular retail job and, you know, like I have tattoos, it's just in my personality where I just, I, I am not, um, I am not a person that is particularly concerned with, how other people perceive me necessarily that can be good or bad, but it's just the way that it was at the time. And, um, it was actually through a scene that, um, I was doing, I was super new, but, um, there was a person there who was really good at doing rope. And this was right in the beginning of my rope experience. And we did a scene at the TNG. Um, and I was, you know, really caught up in it. Didn't really notice I was naked or there was impact play and rope stuff happening and sexy things. And when I sort of, when the scene ended, I realized that there was like a hundred people watching us. And that, I mean, before that situation, I really considered myself to be pretty like uh, private and shy. Like, you know, like if a gust of wind was blowing, like I'd be really nervous that like my dress would like fly up or something. But after that situation where I realized so many people were watching me, I was like, wow, okay. I kind of like this feeling. So I guess it really kind of opened my eyes to the exhibitionist side, um, of myself. Um, so yeah, I, I hadn't really had a problem with being public about it. And, um, I started a fe- my FetLife profile as we all do. Yep. <laughs> I, then, I still have uh, mine. Yeah. And then I migrated to Tumblr and then it just went from there. Well, that's a, that's a good, that's a good way to put that. Like I, I think with my, my life, I ended up be staying significantly more private than I thought I would ever be. And then around the six year mark, I was like, you know what? I got out of a really, really estranged partnership that I was in. And then I, I was still kind of trying to attempt to be kinky because I was like, well, I was kinky with them. It didn't really work out. Let me, let me try going out to an event. And I went out to an event on, on ironically six years ago. And then I just kind of stumbled and fell into a, a rigging career um, and a photography career. I was like, Oh no, what did I do? Oh boy. Mm-hmm. And yeah, you know, the photos is really, that's, that's a, that's a thing. Yeah. Being it, involved in with the photography behind it. Cause then you have documented proof and then you're like, well, well shit i don't know what to do and as i'm looking as i'm looking at my camera right now like you've seen some things my friend Mm -hmm. and we are we have some stories to tell (laughs) oh boy um since since you've been a part of the like part of the scene as a whole do you still affiliate with your local community at all or by any chance if not what's going on with that um, so let's see. So I started, uh, my rope journey and my, in my BDSM journey in the DMV area. And I spent a few years there, um, at the time, I think it was like 2014, 2015. Um, and when I was there in the beginning, I was fairly active in that community because at that time, um, especially there were so many, um, talented, and there still are these same people there. They're just not as enmeshed in the community as they were back then. Um, there was a vibrant rope, um, community there. And so I was going to as many events as I could, 
um, both performances and educational, um, you know, like they would sometimes have people come in and talk about just important educational stuff. Um, so I was really involved in the community there then as a beginner. And I think that that's really important, really crucial for a beginner to be involved in, um, a local community because, you know, it holds people accountable, um, for newbies coming in. It's a whole new world and it's really helpful to have people that can kind of guide you on how to navigate your self-exploration safely and hold people accountable who might be predatorial in that situation. So, um, yeah, I was very involved back then. And then, um, I've actually just been, I've been traveling a lot for the past several years I've been traveling and, um, in the past year, uh, 2019, I spent most of that traveling, um, and teaching, uh, all across the U S and in Europe. And of course, um, we're brought in by communities. So I was able to kind of like get a taste and a feel for various kink and rope communities around the U S and, um, in Europe. And I just landed here in Arizona at the beginning of this year, right before the pandemic. So I haven't really had a chance to explore this local community. Um, I will say though, that my, my feelings about community, like I, I do believe it, there, that a community is absolutely essential. Um, but I kind of, my, my focus has kind of shifted to two, uh, two kinds of communities. One, the online community, which is vibrant, super important. Um, I kind of, I consider the online community in kink, um, to be a really great place to keep up to date with consent practice and accountability process and, and just like the ideology of what's socially acceptable. Um, I think that because there's so many different conversations happening, um, that, you know, following educators and leaders and communities, um, and venues are just a really important way to kind of like stay current. And then, yeah. Yeah. That's a very good way of putting it. And you can, I'm, I'm sorry for interrupting him. That was just, that was a very good point, And I wanted to touch in on that one. Sure, um, yeah. cause as far as my local community, I'd mainly it's primarily out of Texas. Um, well, since everybody already knows, as far as my my thing is concerned, is out of San Antonio, and the shift of losing like community centers and some popping up has kind of shifted the 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 feeling about communities. Like it is important, especially for newbies. I remember if I didn't have any of the information that I was given when I was brought in, I would not be where I'm at. I wouldn't be able mm -hmm. to even think of teaching somebody how to do rope, let alone performing in a public setting. That mm -mm, mm -hmm. that's a no go. But at the same time, you have people that are kind of shady, kind of snaky, and that's no bueno. Mm -hmm. uh, again, I'm sorry for interrupting you. That was actually a really good segue for that one. Uh, oh ooh. yeah, sure. Um, another thing. So, how do you view kink uh, as a way for sexual expression? Are sex and kink intertwined for you? Because there's a weird, there's a weird question that or not even question word comment that most people give to me or at least they gave to me when the local community was here is that sex and kink should never be mixed yeah no that's a very interesting um question i think that for one thing it's definitely highly subjective and highly situational because um, for me, you know, like when you say kink, for me, that does encompass the psychosexual aspects as well. Like that encompasses power dynamics and fantasies, role play and stuff like that. Um, so yes, for me personally, kink is actually an essential aspect of my sexuality. Like even if there isn't any conversation about any kind of BDSM, um, or if there's no overt BDSM activity going on there's at least something in my head like there's some kind whether there's an age gap or a power dynamic that i perceive or maybe i'm just having a little fantasy in my head i mean i don't often have just straight up vanilla sex i guess or or sex with people who are not um involved in kink so it's not very common for me to have that kind of situation happen um but that said like while 
kink is an essential part of my sexuality and what I consider to be like psycho, the, the psychology of my arousal is rooted in BDSM elements. Um, while that's true, it's also true for me that there are some BDSM activities that are not sexual. They are erotic. They are, um, yeah, erotic and stimulating, but not like sex, penetrative sex or, um, yeah, penetrative sex specifically, not necessarily a part of it. Um, you know, stuff like rope bondage, for example, it's not, I've, you know, I've been doing rope for about like, yeah, like six years now. And I've only really had sex in rope a handful of times. Um, it's just not the focus in some activities for me. And sometimes it's it, the, the logistics of that is very difficult. And it's like, how, mm-hmm. how, how do you want me to do seven transitions and ha- have sex with you? That, yeah. that doesn't sound possible. I can tie a Sibian. That'll do the job. <laughs> That'll probably be fun. Right. Very messy. Yeah. But man, no, just, and it, it, <laughs> it brings up the weird, the, some of the weirdest question because I see, I don't, I don't know if it's a generational thing or it's just based on, I guess, old guard would be the way it is, but there's a there's a, a vast amount of people that I've seen that where it's just, no, you don't do that. It's a non-thing. And I wonder if it's a way for people to kind of like adjust it to their own sensibilities. Like if you tell somebody, no, you're not going to do kink with sex here, it doesn't necessarily mean you're not going to do it ever. And I wonder mm-hmm. if that I wonder if that's actually a part of that conversation. It's been a minute since I've talked to somebody in a community as a whole because I've after I moved from the states to Japan, then back the 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 weird cultural shift uh, from being in Japan and being back over here was like I don't know if I want to be part of this community anymore. There's a lot of weird things going on that I don't like. Yeah, you know I I find it um, really common, especially in the kink community. For people to be very, very opinionated about what things are or are not or should or shouldn't be. Um, I think that a part of that is pretty natural. Like it becomes a part of our identity. And so we have, we develop strong opinions about it for ourselves personally. Um, and I think there are some opinions that we should all hold uh, dear, you know, about consent, for example. Um, but in terms of what, something should or shouldn't be like whether something should be sexual or not sexual. Like, I mean, that's kind of the whole reason why we became kinky, right? Is because we don't want to be beholden to these um, strict concepts about what sex can be. And also I think it's good to point out that sex doesn't have to be penetrative. Like they're all kind of erotic and sensual experiences that we can have. Tantra is a good example. Tantra is a very good example of that. A sensual massage. Or just mm-hmm. throwing each other in a cuddle pile. That that <laughs> right there, that's good stuff. Uh, that was I like that. That was a really good conversation. I haven't had somebody to because my my co-host Spirit, me and him have relatively similar mindsets as far as that. We're both kind of just like, well, we don't really need sexual intercourse, and most of the things become mechanical for us because. We don't want to make sure, we want to make sure that we don't violate consent. There's there's a level of like okay, well, there's only these things that we're going to do. Nothing more, nothing less. You can always talk down in it during the scene, but not not negotiate up anything of the sort. And it becomes a bit more theatrical, I guess, in 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 my head for myself. And the sexual element tends to, since it's not already there, it just tends to stay way way back there, mm-hmm. which is mm-hmm. which is a bit weird. And having somebody that has a little bit more. I guess involvement, and especially since you are a, uh, a, a, is it correct to call you a sex worker? Yeah, yeah, I am. Um, a sex worker, it's, it's just an interesting conversation to be had, and I, I do appreciate it. Uh, so here's a, here's a fun question, as I'm sure most of the female audience that we do have. Uh, how do you manage what I'm assuming is a flood of guys trying to hook up with you or even for play? And also, has anyone ever tried to pretend to be more skilled than what they lead on to be? as far as a scene, photo shoot, or even attempt to do your videos for you? Yeah, so it's, uh, so I, yeah, I can't speak for other sex workers um, or other kinksters in general, but honestly, uh, people don't really try to hook up with me. I don't know 
<laughs> I don't, I'm still, I don't really know why. I, I don't know why. Maybe, maybe people think there's just like no chance or something. I'm not really sure. But um, yeah, so uh, trying to hang up with me, not really a thing. But definitely um, people pretending to be more skilled. That's, that's been an issue that I've seen. I've come across. Um, I've seen people, you know, be called out for that in scenes. And it's, it's definitely predatory behavior. And I think that it's a lot more common on certain platforms, like on FetLife, for example, people are way more aggressive about trying to find a play partner. Um, I don't even check my messages on there anymore because there's just a bunch of people that like, you know, I don't know who are saying sexual things to me and like want to play. And I'm like, this is not how I, this is not how I do things. <laughs> um, and yeah, I mean, so like I said, I mean, I've been doing BDSM for about six years and it's, it's a relatively small community of people who are at the skill level that I would trust to do the kind of play that I want to do. Um, and so it, I don't know, I kind of think that like, if there was somebody that I would want to play with, I probably would have heard of them before they contacted me. But I'm, I'm also very wary of anybody who claims to be particularly good at something. It's like your work should speak for itself, you know? Mm -hmm. um, and yeah, I mean, I think people who are beginners are the most um, at risk for that kind of behavior because predators, they, they, don't, they don't go after people who are experienced. They go after people who are not and who don't know necessarily what to look out for. Um, and I always vet, I vet people all the time. Yeah. I think, I think that's the, one of the better things that I've, I've learned as far as, um, whether it's tying, whether it's anything of the sort, like if I, if I just ask, Hey, I hear is a list of things I would, I would like to do as far as a shoot's concerned, even having that just said from my experience shuts people's brains off, especially in the like, because we were in a hookup culture not too long ago and i think that kind of still is still a part of what leaked into kink a little bit and the mm -hmm. whole the whole getting dick pics and everything like that to the point right. where it's now illegal in texas you get fined for that if you unsolicitedly wow. send somebody a dick pic oh yeah no it's great i like that it means <laughs> means i won't get any dick pics because some of my profile photos are of people i tie some of them are female identifying and it's just like i'm not so female like is this what y'all go yeah. through oh god no yeah <laughs> no you're right there there definitely was there was a period of time and especially you know in rope especially i remember there was a period of time and i did this too where i just wanted rope for photos i went through a phase where i was just like i want to be tied up and i want cute photos and like that's why i'm doing rope and i fully admit that it's not the case for me now, but it was when I was just getting started. And that definitely is kind of dangerous. Like if that's, you know, if your if your goal is for the photos, there are definitely people who will try to take advantage of that. Um, yeah. Mm -hmm. There, I think there was a, there was an, there's a couple of instances and I won't bring them up to light right now. That's probably what I'm going to say for another like actual in-depth conversation with my co-host because my God, is it bad? Um, so many names, and I'm probably going to get DMC striked for using any of them. So we're going to continue on with the conversation. <laughs> um, so if you don't mind uh, me asking, what brought you to selling your content? Um, so, so in the beginning, um, the beginning of my BDSM journey, I was really trying to like promote bottoming education. I felt that there wasn't at the time that there wasn't really enough representation um, from the bottom's perspective. And I wanted to hear about, um, I wanted to, to learn and to hear more about how to be a good bottom when I was coming up in the scene. And so I wanted to kind of like compile resources and experiences and stuff. And so um, I started this very short-lived blog on Tumblr called Gimme Ice Cream. And it was intended to be kind of like a zine where I would interview people and, you know, write things and have guest writers and stuff like that. And it lasted 
for, I don't know, a month or something like that. And I found that people were way more interested in my personal experiences and me sharing my experiences with the daddy girl relationship that I was in and me sharing, you know, photos and, and my experiences um, with impact play and rope and stuff like that. So then I decided to just, okay, like abandon the zine situation and just go with, um, with representing my own journey in kink. Um, and so then I started to get a bit of a following on Tumblr and then I started to do YouTube tutorials on rope. Um, and I mean, I had like, a, before my YouTube got deleted, I had like a hundred thousand subscribers and it became something that I realized I could profit from not necessarily, you know, rope in particular, but just in general, like I was not expecting it, but people were pretty interested in, um, in me. And so I started, um, a Snapchat and then from Snapchat, it was many vids and here we are. And you know, it seems like you've done quite a bit to get to where you are now. And I got to congratulate you. That is a level of gumption that I'm trying to aspire to for just doing free content. It's like, man, that's, uh, that's dedication. How? You know what? It's, it's really just a drive to like, I, I'm just, I can't, I'm not very good at working in environments where there's like a boss. Um, I'm just like, a, it's a struggle for me. So I find it easier to grind for myself. And that's just been my motivation <laughs> full yeah. time. Kudos to you. I got to give it to you. It, that's, that's a level of self-determination that I aspire to have one day. <laughs> I, it's, I, it's, it make it sound like I'm such a lazy piece of shit, but in reality, I'm working over 60 hours now, and it's just like, oh my God, what did I do I mean, to deserve this? <laughs> yeah, I mean, you, you sound pretty busy. <laughs> yeah, especially when we, had, we, we, got, a, we, we got several contracts for like four or five different jobs that they have to be done before the end of the year. And each of those jobs will probably take about two to three weeks to do in, in its entirety. So that's a whole level of fun, but it does pay for all of my wonderful equipment. So I'm okay. <laughs> so when you started your business, did it come with any hurdles that you had to overcome as far as like, I guess, marketing or anything of the sort, or did some of that transition from, from your YouTube, your Tumblr and all that? Um, well, I was pretty fortunate because when I started, um, kink online and, and sex work online was not really like camming was a thing for sure. But what we have now was not the case, um, like five years ago. So there wasn't really like now every it's so saturated. I mean, I can't imagine trying to break into doing stuff, something like OnlyFans. uh, now because there's so many people doing it and it's really hard to um to get a following in a situation like like that but yeah because when i started um there wasn't really anyone doing the style of stuff that i was doing i mean i was like kind of um my aesthetic was very like cute BDSM. And that was not very common at the time because at the time, and this is why I was doing it at the time, BDSM was like black and red, you know, and like just very serious. I remember and, um, all of the, I remember all <laughs> of those photos. I know exactly which yeah. one you're talking about. <laughs> yeah. And so I was just like, no, I want this to be cute. It can still be hardcore. It can still be, you know, scary and intimidating, but it can also be pink and cute and fluffy and whatever. So um, I didn't really have there. I mean, yeah, there wasn't a lot of competition back then. So really, it just kind of that part wasn't hard. But I will say that throughout the many years of me doing it, I think the biggest hurdle has always been having a relationship alongside doing this work. Um, if you don't mind, I would did. you elaborate? Yeah. Yeah. So I've, I've dated people both in and out of the industry, people who are in and, and not involved in kink. And there are unique challenges with any kind of situation. Um, I mean, obviously there are people who make it work and, who, and that's amazing and awesome and beautiful. And, um, but yeah, I mean, cause a relationship takes 
communication and trust and all those things. And it's a real, it really puts it to the test when, um, when you're working in a situation where you are making money and profiting off of your sexuality and displays of your sexuality and performance of your sexuality. Um, I think that, you know, in some cases there would be people who think that rope baby is my entire persona. <laughs> like I'm not actually like, I, like there's no other dimension to me other than what you see online. There are definitely people like that. Um, there are also cases where, you know, people just, they think that they're comfortable with it. And then we get into a fight and then it's like, well, why are you showing your butthole? You know? So it, it can definitely be, um, because it's because it was cute. The lighting was right. And it just looked great. <laughs> right. Um, and I think, I, I think it can relate to that because there's, there's been times where like, I've gone back to dating vanilla people and it's, I won't say it's just strictly to vanilla people, but I guess I'd call myself monogamish on a good day. Depends on the partner that I'm with. And the fact that at a certain point in my life, I was a performer for the local community tying everybody and everybody basically like a revolving door and i think mm. that left that person kind of like well why do you do that well because it's yeah. fun like this this is this is my kink well can't you do that with me it was like i can and i do but this is also part of my life like you kind of knew that going in is there anything we can like adjust about and it usually doesn't work out it usually mm -hmm. doesn't and I you know, on that, yeah, like, I'm sorry to interrupt, but just, it reminded no, me of something, but on, on that, the, um, I found that some, some of the, the hard, um, harder aspects of dating someone in the industry is that kind of like, they're doing what you want to, they're, they're doing the things that you love with a lot of people. And they're, for me at least, and I, I don't, whatever, like I admit, if this is not cool for me to feel this way, whatever, this is just how I feel. But, um, I always want something special, like something special just for us, you know? So I think that that's really important, um, in a relationship with somebody who's like doing performance or being kinky or whatever. Yeah. Um, like, a lot of people. <laughs> yeah. Like almost like a specific tie that you will not do on anybody else or anything of that sort, or just, yeah, just something special <laughs> or a nice candlelight dinner while the other person's eating it while the other person's in rope trying to eat it like that that's that's get creative and yeah <laughs> i'm sure you've also seen that photo there's a very specific one that i remember mm -hmm. yeah i'm sure uh uh good good old memories what views do you feel kingster should honestly uphold because there's a lot of very nuanced ones there's a lot of very strict ones that we all go through like consent consent is a that's a hard one you, you either know you either do it or you're not in it and that's kind of the biggest thing that we've stuck with but is there anything else that you can think of to say that anyone should necessarily have any specific views but i do think that having a particular mindset is really important. And that mindset is um, of growth and openness. I think that people who want to consider themselves or present themselves as being a safe, in quotes, safe player or someone to be trusted, um, I think that we really need to have an open mind and critical thinking skills and be able to self-evaluate and to be able to take criticism from other people, whether that criticism is directed at them directly or maybe at a friend of theirs or an idea that they hold or something. I think that we really, it's hard because, um, yeah, there are all these nuances and kink becomes a part of our identity. And if somebody calls you out for something or if a scene doesn't go the way that, you know, you thought it was going, it can be hard to take that criticism. And I think that not being able to, um, to really be open to hearing ideas that you're not familiar with. I think that, um, yeah, I think people should, should be open and, um, always learning and growing and accepting failures, holding yourselves accountable, um, 
And yeah, I mean, consent is super important, but so is continuing the education on consent because it starts as explicit. I mean, that's what we all recognize as being consent is like, yes, this is okay. And no, this is not okay. But then, you know, the more that we understand about each other in kink, and this is like ever evolving, we see it in the community, like all, all over these issues with boundaries and emotional boundaries. It's like the psychological part is the part that's the hardest. And I think that we have to continue to like educate ourselves. So having like the values I think people should have are like this value, the the values of um, being open-minded and constantly learning. I think those are very good things to keep in mind and to uphold because over time we get complacent. And Mm -hmm. I've, I've even seen this with some of my scenes with people that I've played with for longer than a couple months, I get sometimes a year. Like there's a couple of or a couple of times where it's like I, I'm going to revisit the concept of like consent uh, yeah. with my partner because it's like you gave me mm-hmm. these 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 very vague ways to kind of do these things. Can can we be a little bit more specific so I don't cross any mm-hmm. boundaries? Is there any underlying things that I should know or I should think of or be aware when this is happening? And it and mm-hmm. sometimes it can get messy. Sometimes it can be perfect. And I think that's great. I think that's something to really, really think about. All right. Now this is the fun part. What are your thoughts on SSC rack and prick for being a norm? Because there's another there's there's been a couple of one other I think there's another another what what is the word for it acronym thank you acronym Mm -hmm. and i can't remember it for the life of me but i think there's another one but ssc rack and prick are the ones we're going to discuss um how do you how do you feel as as the norm especially with the concept of like consent ever evolving and changing Mm -hmm. um so i think i think they're all they're all essentially saying the same thing and I, so I actually, um, I think at least for me, prick is a newer one. Um, I remember SSC being a thing, um, when I was first learning about BDSM and it was, it's just way too general. And I think it's just like SSC and then it gets a little bit more specific with rack and then even more specific with prick, but it's all kind of the same concept. And, um, you know, with with rack risk aware, consensual, and with prick personal responsibility informed, it's kind of the same thing to me. Um, I think that it's easy to throw around an acronym, but to really like understand what it means, it takes real reflection, like self reflection, to understand what risks there are for you as an individual takes real introspection because it's like it's not just if you play with fire you're going to get burned so think about that no it's also about how um you know we all carry around some trauma uh, or some emotional processing that we haven't done yet and you know maybe there's going to be a scene where you start to process some emotions or or a trauma a past trauma gets triggered those are also risks. Those are personal risks that you um, have to be considerate of. And it's also important to communicate those risks um, with your partner as well. Um, I think that those, I think that the acronyms themselves are too easy to just throw around and say, I practice risk aware consensual kink or whatever. But the reality is it's uh people are going to mess up. They're going to um run into problems that they didn't necessarily anticipate. Those are the risks to be aware of and the thing to consider the most is what are you going to do if that happens? Um yeah. So I I think it's really important for people to to be aware of those things, but not just like rely on an acronym or to say that I practice risk aware consensual kink. It's, it's more than just saying it like it takes a lot of introspection. So 
That it does, and I think some of the weird things with rack and prick bring thrown around is like, well, rack means risk awareness. That means the things that I am doing specifically are going to be dangerous, so you have to. It's like, no, that's not really how that works. A simple paddling scene can take somebody into a headspace they were not intending mm -hmm. on going into. You could put mm -hmm. them. You could put them in a little space. You could put them in a fight or flight space where they just need to get away from you, and it can cause some trauma. And I think that, yeah. and I think I, I agree with you wholeheartedly on that, that. A lot of that's lost without thinking about, okay, well, how are you going to deal with the thing that's happening, as opposed to how is the other person you're playing going to be processing everything? It's 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 a good way of putting it. Solid solid information. Yeah. Uh, so next one is: Is there anything you would have liked to know before you got more involved in Gink? You know, I actually, I don't think that there's anything because, so I guess maybe I'm lucky and fortunate in that I haven't had any um, real negative experiences in a scene. Um, like I haven't had a situation where there's been um, a consent violation or anything like that. So for me personally, it's just been a journey that, I'm grateful for all the experiences that I've had that have helped kind of shape um, how I think and feel about certain kinks. And without those experiences, um, I, I just wouldn't have as much of an understanding as I do now. Like there's only so much that people can tell you. And in fact, I think I probably was told, um, you know, for example, one of the, um, one of the learning lessons that I had where I learned something the hard way was when I was, um, I was at a, a rope event and this was in like the DMV area in like 2015 or something. And one of the leaders of the community, very well-known and well-respected rigor, um, was tying me for the first time. And I was like, Oh my God, I was like ecstatic because, you know, I felt special that like he was cool with tying me and I was like, all right, cool. Um, and I get into a TK and it's only partially loaded. My feet aren't off the floor or anything. And I can't feel, um, my fingertips. And he asks me eventually if I can like make a motorcycle motion. And, and I couldn't, I was trying to, but I couldn't. And my thought process was like, Oh, don't, you know, like, don't, don't make a big deal about it. Just like, just say it's okay because you know, you don't want this whole scene to be ruined and then he'll never want to tie you again. Like those are the thoughts that were like going on in my mind, which are totally like, I am like, un they're understandable. They're common for newbies. But I mean, knowing what I know now, like it was a situation where what ended up happening was because I couldn't do it, you know, he brought me down. I had a very temporary wrist drop, like just a compression situation where I couldn't, literally move my my wrists at all and i drove there so there we go with the risk aware consensual kink part like you know i drove and yet i i put myself in a situation where um you know i was too concerned about the way things looked than what was happening in my body um and long story short it ended up being okay um i was fine like 15 minutes later he was really nice about it and followed up with me a few days later. But, you know, I had been told about nerve injuries. <laughs> like I knew that they existed. So I think some things, you know, for me at least, I'm grateful for those experiences because luckily nothing um, long-term happened to me. Um, but I was able to like really understand importance like that was a big lesson for me i was like all right i really these are real risks that i'm taking here and this is i gotta be more careful next time yeah i, I think uh, for for me if i had to answer that question is um understand that even rope tops can get nerve damage done like i i didn't realize that i was doing really stupidly strenuous things and i ended up with tendonitis yeah. on my right hand <laughs> <laughs> so mm -hmm. two, of my, two, two of my fingers are completely useless. Don't have any grip strength anymore. It's great. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Wow. So I guess I might, maybe I would change the answer, to, answer and just say like more, I, I probably would have benefited from more education on the anatomy, on anatomy of rope. 
um, rope on the body, which is something that's still rare in rope education. So I think there's hopefully that'll change. I hope so, because I think there's only one educator right now that's doing anything about it, mm -hmm. and we're all in quarantine, yeah. so we can't take her class. Yeah. So there's that. Yeah. I miss anatomy and physiology. That was one of my favorite classes in college and high school. I'm going to go cry now. <laughs> um, let's see here. So when looking back on your kink career, what classes did you teach before pre-quarantine? So let's see. Um, this was mostly uh, in conjunction with my partner at the time, and this was uh, rope bondage. They were all rope bondage. Um, we did a lot of fundamentals classes with a few. There were a few advanced um, rigging classes, but for the most part, it was fundamentals. Um, and honestly, fundamentals, like in rope, fundamentals is just something that no matter how advanced you are, it's always good to revisit those. Um, you know, it's something that... I think at least in the beginning, people kind of breeze over when they're doing rope bondage because you want to get to the good bit. You want to get to the part where you get to suspend someone. And so you kind of, you know, you find a single column tie that works and then you just use that. Um, and so revisiting fundamentals in a way where you're able to kind of um, explore the basics in a structured way. Um, so we, yeah, we taught a lot of that. Um, and what I was contributing was mostly bottoming, um, education in terms of, you know, what to expect during the ties, um, preparing yourself for it and processing through it. So, and the safety and concerns and stuff like that, it's something that it, it was definitely very subjective and based on whatever ties we were teaching. Um, but yeah. Yeah, those all very solid things. I don't, I don't remember the last time I ever went to like a rope convention or a rope intensive that the fundamentals weren't re-beaten into my head because again, complacency is a terrible, terrible thing. Yeah. And, and, you know, and with rope bondage specifically, you know, like the fundamentals are, they're ever present. It's not like, it's not like you do a suspension and the suspension is a bunch of, you know, very necessarily intricate things. They're the same fundamental principles. They're just kind of all together now. <laughs> yep. It's over and over and over again. You will always start mm -hmm. a tie with a single column tie. You yeah, Exactly. You will always go over and use an X friction. You'll always go over and use, maybe, maybe you use a T friction. Maybe. If you're feeling kind of, uh, I don't know, with a rambunctious for the evening, kind of want to spice <laughs> things up a little bit. But no, like, and I think that was one of the jokes that me and my co-host uh, had made when we were discussing a, a concept that was floating around a lot of the kinkosphere as far as FetLife's concerned about Council of Elders. Like, we can't get a rigor or a group of riggers to do the same single column tie over and over again, what makes you think we can all agree on who should dictate what we enjoy as far as kink is concerned? Oh, wow. Yeah, you should have that group of elders all tell you what their go-to single column tie is, because I'm sure they will all be different. <laughs> oh, God. It, it's, it was... It was a mess. It was it was an entire shit show to where even like other communities were getting involved with that conversation. It's like, are you serious? Do you do you hear what you're saying? Like, why? That makes no sense. I don't need anybody dictating how I do my kink. Now, if should somebody like if I'm acting like a shitty person, throw me out. Yes, but not di yeah. not dictate like not a whole bunch of other people saying that you and I can't do rope because they know better. It's like what? Huh? Yeah, right. Makes no sense. Don't even know why. And last but not least, were there any troubles that you had to deal with in your kink slash day to day life because you were more open than most about your kink slash profession? Um, I can't recall there being any situation like that. Um, but. I think it's because I've made it like a point to surround myself with people that accept me and support me. Um, I mean, there are people, you know, like I don't talk about this stuff with like 
the older people in my family because it's like not really their business. Um, you know, like I wouldn't talk about my sexuality with like how I have sex or what I like to do in sex with them. So I feel like it's not really relevant for me to talk about my kink life, um, with my older family members or my sex work with, um, with them. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I really, especially now I feel that it's so much more common. Um, so at least with peers, it's not really an issue. It might be if you're younger and, you know, there's older generations that you're interact interacting with, but, um, for me, I haven't really run into any, any issues. Um, I try to be very careful about who I, um, tell about my profession though. Like I, I'm not necessarily explicitly open with any stranger that I meet in real life, at least. Um, just cause you never know, you never know, um, what somebody might say or do and sex work is something that unfortunately sometimes invites violence, whether that's emotional or, or otherwise. And so uh, I'm just careful about that in real life, but otherwise, no, I've, I guess I've been pretty lucky. Well, that makes me happy. I'm glad. Um, uh, I, I, sometimes that's one of the more tough questions to, to get through, especially with mm. some people having severe, like severe trauma, any PTSD yeah. that has happened, some major consent violations. And it's, it's, it's a serious thing that sometimes we face. And you as a sex worker are kind of in the front line of it, which is not a good thing. As far as I'm concerned, none of y'all should get hurt for doing what capitalism wonderfully allows you to do and i love yeah i love that by all means make your money is it good content <laughs> cool maybe i'll buy something it sounds great <laughs> sounds perfect yeah no i love it it's definitely something that um i'm very happy and feel very fortunate to be able to do awesome well at the moment, those are all the questions I have for you. If you would like, I'd, actually, I would like for you to plug your pluggables, anything that, where they can kind of interact with you, reach you, whether it be on Twitter or Instagram or anything of that sort, by all means, do your thing. I am more than happy to go ahead and show you support that way as well. Cool. Um, okay, so uh, Instagram, I am rope baby with an extra Y at the end because I've been deleted several times. Um, and on my Instagram page, there is my campsite bio, which is, has all my links. Um, and there you can find my discord, which is really fun. I love being able to communicate with, um, all my fans on there. Um, my discord, my only fans, many vids. Um, I do have a YouTube channel, but I haven't really uploaded too much there yet. Um, but yeah, that's about it. Well, again, I do appreciate you jumping online with me and taking this interview. And for everybody out there, yeah, thank you for listening. You'll find this video on Pornhub as well as on YouTube at Bound by the Scene. And as always, Avida Zane, au revoir, Janet. We'll catch you next time. Peace.